on to business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi. And uh, I got my blackjack gum here. And I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. To the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Anybody move, I'll blow your fucking head off. And the medic gets out and says, Oh my god. I'm your Huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Pauline, this calls for the old Billy Barule. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! All right, ladies, gentlemen. I doubt there's any ladies out there, but just in case, what is going on? It is Friday night. Yes, it's still Friday. All right, it is 11 o'clock Eastern Time. <laughs> this is THT Movie Review. I am Boxman. I got Anthony with me. What up, Anthony? What up? Take oh. me up to Harlem. <laughs> oh, it's been a long day, brother. A long day. All right. <laughs> yeah, a lot of shit going on, but uh, let's get to the movie first. Well, yeah, a lot of shit. We'll... we'll uh... Me and Shaheen will talk about that, what's going on in the wrestling world on Sunday this week. Uh, both of us were kind of busy Wednesday, so we took a little break. And uh, we'll be back Sunday. We'll talk some wrestling right here on Mixer.com slash THT Podcast. But I would like to let everybody know, uh, of course, guess where you can find THT Movie Review? You can find us on Twitter, THT Movie Review iTunes, search the same thing. You can even now find us on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Pod Directory, anywhere you can find podcasts. I have gotten it out there. So there you go. And um, Wow. Yeah, I we, did, we, man. Sound like professionals. It's like we're 
everywhere. We're taking over. Yep. I put us up in uh, everywhere we could be, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the places that uh, the other one is. So that's a damn good thing right there. Always. Yes, sir. So, all right, and just search pod uh, THT movie review on any of those, and we'll pop right up. And fuck, man, I guess we can uh, we can do this. We're here to talk about fucking motherfucking fucking fucking Harlem Nights. Yes. I don't know how else to put that fucking title because it got the F word. It it is said the F word. Or any derivative of it, you know, motherfucker, you know, hey, you know, fucked up, 113 times. Damn. Did you- 100, and, oh, I'm sorry, 133 times. Oh, you mean that, that filth, flarm, and filth? That, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, Eddie Murphy made a lot of money off them motherfuckers. <laughs> motherfuck to find Eddie Murphy in the 80s <laughs> fuck the motherfucking fuckers that's what Eddie Murphy fucking said right there so alright let's see this is uh, 1989 this movie came out um, despite doing well in the box office it was weird it was still a flop yeah, I mean, look, by today's standards, you make a movie with a thirty million dollar budget and you make thirty I mean you make ninety five on the back end, mm-hmm. that's a success. But you have to understand this is kinda coming off the back end of like Eddie Murphy making literally hundreds of millions of dollars, Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop Two, yeah, coming to America, trading places. So this was on the low end of uh, yeah. what he was making on movies, so that's why it was considered a flop. Yeah, and I, you know, really, it wasn't popular for people to do what Eddie Murphy was doing—write, direct, star in his own movie at that time. Um, this film was made because Eddie Murphy wanted to direct and act in a period piece. Eddie Murphy always wanted to do this kind of gangster period piece back in the you know nineteen early thirties, forties. Um, and of course, we all know he wanted to work with Richard Pryor, who was his. Pff, greatest influence to clearly. his uh clearly to his stand up comedy. So, you know, that's really why this movie was made. Um movie did not do well with critics. Yeah, um look. Rotten Tomatoes has it horrible, which whatever. Take that with what you will. That's fucking people being people. Uh what used to be back in nineteen eighty nine was, you know, basically the Tell you know, be all tell all of um, the be all end all of movie critics was Siskel and Ebert. Uh, yeah. They were both bored and offended by the movie. Roger later called it one of the worst films of 1989. Uh, movie just was not taken well by anybody, anybody at all. Um, yeah. Very strange. That was kind of a looser time, but I don't know. To me. Personally, uh, I've said this a thousand times. Fuck the critics; those are two people's opinion of the movie. Yeah. Um, your critics can say what they want. In my opinion, this movie here was and is one of the greatest comedies of the '80s. I loved it. I fucking loved it. Now, mm-hmm. do you think 
And, you know, like I said, maybe this is a question better served for Bobby. <laughs> Come on, I don't want to get you in trouble again, Vox. I, I don't want to make you sweat again. Hey, but you can you say, say what you want, bro. I'm good. No, no, no. I'm, ser- I'm no, just no. here. No, no, this is a serious question, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think part of the reason why, you know, it wasn't critically accepted by, like, you know, your Roger Eberts and your Gene Siskel types is because I guess it wasn't really it wasn't it wasn't like a an all American white bread type of movie that was catered to everybody. Right. right. It, it, yeah, it, seemed, it, 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 it seemed like it basically was made specifically for black culture. I mean, just to put it bluntly. Yeah, but, but I mean, before 1989, there was plenty of movies that were like that. I mean, the 70s had movies that were for the same thing. You know what I mean? Every, look, every... There's always been movies like that. There's still today movies like that. Yeah, I mean... That I, are to geared me, I, I, towards... No, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. Ge- no, no, I no, just wanted ahead. to say, yeah. I just wanted to say they were, you know, they're geared towards certain demographics, cultures... You know, that's just, it's always been that way. I don't think that's why this movie did bad, but before I go too far, what were you going to say? No, I was just saying, like, I mean, I don't really kind of get that. I mean, like you said, a lot of movies are geared towards certain cultures, but to me, a good movie is a good movie. Like, I've said Uh it before, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, I'll say it till he put me six feet under. Goodfellas is one of my favorite freaking movies. Yeah, I'm not Italian. I can't relate to... Italian culture, but that's a good fucking movie. Regard, I think anybody can sit down and watch that movie, regardless of race, and enjoy it. It's well acted, well performed, the whole nine. To me, a good movie you know, is a good movie. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, it. This movie might have been, oh, damn it, Echo. This movie might have been. It's gone already. Movie might have been before its time. Um, if you think about it, this movie might. This movie might do better today. Anyone you mentioned this movie to, oh, I fucking love that movie. Oh, it's a fucking great movie. This movie might have been better today than back in 1989. Even with the language. I mean, they don't make any jokes that are, you know, unpolitically correct today. Yeah, I, I'll get to uh, <laughs> this line. This movie has a couple of whoppers, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I'll say that for later in the show. We're right now. We're kind of giving an overview. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm having a little Skype problem tonight. I can't play anything, so we're gonna yeah. be uh, quoteless. We can quote the movie, but uh, I know that won't give it any justice. There's so many quotes to this movie that are excellent. Yeah, and uh, I'll say this, though. You know, I ain't mean to cut you all box. No, no. I just want to say this real quick. If for nothing else, this movie, I'm so glad that it, it kind of it happened. It had to happen. And it was really, if you really think about it, a once-in-a-lifetime situation. Because we literally had the only time ever co- captured on film three generations mm-hmm. of what people consider, like, the three greatest comedians of their respective eras coming together. One time and one time only. And what makes it so significant is this movie came out in November of 1989. Yep. Uh, roughly two years later, Red Fox passes away. Right. And also that same year, Richard, Richard Pryor more or less goes into semi-retirement because of the uh, multiple sclerosis. I mean, he it, still did a little thing here and there. but he Yeah. Really did. But it's funny they said he was actually diagnosed 
he was already diagnosed with it during this movie, but he hid it from everybody. Yeah. He and was. And that last movie he did with uh, Gene Wilder, I think it was another you. You, mm. you could see it. Like, by that point, it was just full-blown. He couldn't hide it if he wanted to. No, no, there was no way. And, you know, 2005, he did end up losing that battle and passed on. You know, he he definitely was amazing, Richard Pryor. So, you know, it's what he went through, you know, the movie Jojo Dancer, another great movie of his that he was in. But, yeah, him and Gene Wilder, you know, just, just since we're on the, you know, I'm going to go through the cast in a minute. But him and Gene Wilder, some of the movies they did were just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yes. So, yeah. I don't even know what else to say. They were just watching those two together. I mean, you could, they didn't even have to say anything. They could look at each other and you would laugh. Yeah, they had that chemistry. They played mm-hmm. well with each other. Yeah, yeah. They were Spade and Farley of their time. You know what I mean? They were yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, at that time, they were the Spade and Farley of, you know, that time. They just had great chemistry in whatever they did together. They made it funny. Um, we puts in the chat, this movie got a Golden Raspberry Award and Worst Screenplay Award for Eddie Murphy. No, I mean, once again, man, I, I, I really think that there's a disconnect between critics and regular people. Because regular people enjoy things for what they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, like look, everybody has their preferences. Some people yeah. like strawberry. Some people like chocolate. But I don't know. Do you think sometimes critics take their jobs too seriously when it come when it comes to like breaking down the merits of a movie? Oh, absolutely. They they have, in my opinion, again, this is you know because basically critics are just opinion givers, and. In my opinion, they have a list that they have in their mind of what a good movie should be. And if a movie doesn't, you know, get enough checks on their list, that's they'll they'll trash it. But, you know, sometimes a good movie is a good movie. This was a funny, good, great story. The story in this movie is good. If you really watch it, it is a great movie the story is good look some of the some of the acting in the movie isn't the best it's kind of it's kind of hokey but it's very hokey it's very it's campy eddie murphy did look eddie murphy did what you would hope a hollywood star would do he took his friends and his brother and he put them in a movie arsenio was in this movie Charlie Murphy was in this movie. Yeah. We've forgotten already. I mean, Robin uh, Harris Robin was Harris, in this yes, movie. Yes. Uh, Red Fox, who we haven't met. Did I mention Red Fox yet? Did I mention Red Fox? No, no, we kind of mentioned him in passing, but he's going to get his due because, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, this, this was, I mean, when you think about the caliber of, of talent that sadly is no longer with us in his movie, Red Fox, Richard Pryor, Robin. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, come on, man. It, 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 that's I mean that when you talk if there's a Hall of Fame of comedy somewhere, you're talking about that's like a Hall of Fame list right there with those three alone. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, and Arsenio Hall is listed in the movie as crying man. 
He doesn't even have a name. <laughs> I wonder if him and Eddie got into a little argument about that one. But um, Denny Aiello is in this movie. Della Reese. Stan Shaw, who doesn't get enough credit as an actor. I like Stan Shaw. Do you know who he is? I've heard the name before. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. He, he's another one of those guys that... um. You're not. He's not like a mainstream guy, but like once you see him, you're like, oh, he pops up in a lot of different. Yeah, things. yeah. He was in Rising Sun with um, uh, Wesley Snipes uh, and uh, Wesley Snipes. Yes, Sean Connery. God damn it. Yeah, he was actually in one of my favorite movies, but I've talked about a thousand times. Billionaires Boys Club. Uh huh. He was in the original 1987 version. He was in Snake Eyes, Cage Snake Eyes. He was. The oh boxer. yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in that, and he's had a few TV appearances in the, you know, this year, actually. He was in Criminal Minds, Code Black, and, uh, but he's a very under, I see him, and I'm like, ah, I fucking love this guy. Yeah, and another another guy that's in here, sadly, once again, no longer with us, I'm not sure how familiar you are with him, but uh, Ronaldo Ray, very funny guy. Ronaldo Ray, let me see who he, he was, was in. Um, let me see the original Friday. He was in um, House Party Three. I'm just looking for his name so I can pull him up real quick. I see. Uh, and by the way, we have not mentioned Jasmine Guy. She oh may not, yes, she may not last long in the movie, but she is sexy throughout. The oh time yeah, yeah, she's <laughs> in it. This is that like you know this is like the peak of her sexiness. Different world. Hmm. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, Eddie Murphy must. Have, he had that in the contract. Like, yeah, we're gonna do a sex scene in this. Um, <laughs> just to let just, you know up front. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, yeah, right before a different a different world. No, yeah, um, this is right in the middle of that. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, and she's been on. I mean, come on, we all know Jasmine guy's been on a bunch of shows. Of course, she was in one episode of NYPD Blue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that NYPD blue quoting bastard. You know, I'll tell you what, dude. I'm watching Spin City. I told you I'd watch Spin City, didn't I? Yeah, go oh, good. What season are you up to? I'm already on C. I first ep- oh, season six, episode one. Last wow, season man. already. Look, you fuck, yeah, you fucks around none. Well, um, uh, Michael J. Fox's uh, first on the first season. Uh, Ashley, I believe is her name, he's with. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She was on the last season of NYPD Blue as a uh, district attorney. So, And uh, huh. believe it or not, and it's going to be totally random. Mm-hmm. I know who you talk. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yep. But you know what I'll forever link her to? Mm-hmm. Fucking son-in-law. Yep. That's the first thing I saw her in. And it's like whenever she popped up in anything else, it's like I always. whenever I see her, I always think of son-in-law. <laughs> Absolutely. I think of the same thing. That was her and son-in-law. But, um, yeah, she's uh, – yeah, she's another NYPD. I'm just sitting there going, man, another one from NYPD. And I've seen three or four more actors that have – Michael Boatman even was in NYPD Blue for one episode. Oh, that guy. I, actually, he's you know he's pretty uh, – he flies under the radar a lot, but he's done a lot of shit. He did, he obviously, he was on Spin City for the, uh, I think, damn near every episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, he was in, uh, I remember, Arliss from the ni- late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. I, I used to watch that show with uh, Will, uh, Richard, Robert Mull, Robert Wool, Wool, Robert Wool. Yeah. Was that his name? I can't, I can't think of it. The, the guy from the the Michael Keaton Batman, goddammit. Right? Am I wrong? We got to look it up. You, yeah, you got me nervous. Check now that I gotta out. look it up now. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, let's see. Again, we uh, Ray. Oh, Ray was in two two seven. Okay, I remember that show. Yeah, he had the red hair. You can't miss him. Um, he was in um, damn. Like I said, if you saw House Party three, remember the uh, the, the dinner scene with Bernie Mac? Oh yeah, yeah, that was him, Ronaldo Ray. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. He's another guy. He flies under the radar a lot, but very underrated. Oh, this I didn't know. Actor Jamie Foxx actually chose the Fox surname as part of his stage name in tribute to Red Fox. I didn't know that. Oh, the more you know. Thank you. We've spitting. Robert Wool, I was right. Trust your uh, gut, uh, Boxman. Trust God your gut. Damn, I got a fucking strange memory. Um, We mentioned uh, Danny Aiello was also in this movie. He's another under- Rated guy, in my opinion. Oh, Hud- Hudson, are you disagreeing? No, no, no. I'm not saying that, but you just made me think of something. Um, I just wanted to backtrack since we're talking about underrated guys. Uh huh. We got, we definitely got to take time out to say rest in peace to Bill Nunn. Because when you brought up Danny Aiello, mm. obviously can't think of Danny Aiello without thinking about do the right thing, mm-hmm. Radio Raheem, and that just kind of made me think about it. So I definitely wanted to throw out a rest in peace shout out to uh Bill Nunn. That was that that I, I, that was a blow for me. I don't know about you, box, but that was a blow for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, Hudson Hawk, dude. One of my guilty pleasures as a great movie. That's another movie that gets shit on, but I love it. <laughs> I do too. Uh, yeah, I do too, man. That's that's a fucking awesome movie. Uh, Della Reese was in this movie. She was obviously, I mean, she's been in a ton of TV series from Night Court to, uh, you know, after school specials to (laughs) MacGyver. And Um, how bizarre is it to think that obviously she's in this movie and like we said, it's a lot of F-bombs and motherfuck mm -hmm. this and pussy this and pussy that. But how bizarre is it to think that literally, I would say maybe 10 years, maybe a little before... After this movie comes out, she's known for fucking touched by an angel. Yeah, and, no kidding. <laughs> it's like if you Google this shit, it's mm-hmm. like, damn, you was cussing like that back then? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? She also did a couple episodes of 227. Let's go ahead and bring that up since we already did. But I mean, And she was in The Distinguished Gentleman. I, yeah. that's, that's another movie we got to do, an underrated movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I, we're going to get into it. But it's a lot of movies that I really think, especially from Eddie Murphy, that kind of like get kind of swept under the rug for a variety of reasons. Yeah, we'll get really into it after. This distinguished gentleman, gentleman, gentleman. Okay. What's the other one? Boomerang. Did you see Boomerang? Oh hell yeah, I've seen Boomerang, dude, with Martin Lawrence and David Allen Greer. Fuck yeah. Shit, Eddie Murphy schooled me the feet. Like if the feet ain't right. <laughs> you got the rollout. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Robin Given. You want to talk about a sexy woman? Robin Givens in that movie. She'll make your dick hard for the whole movie. <laughs> no, speaking of hard dicks, uh, Layla Roshan. Mm. My God, throw mm-hmm. throw it up in the air, turn in the sunshine. 
<laughs> yeah, and and if anyone wants to know who she is, we were just talking about Jamie Foxx. Funny we mentioned that because she was the girlfriend of Jamie Foxx in Any Given Sunday. Yep. And I am not looking at IMDb, people. I am not. Yes, and if you want to fucking uh, throw in another factoid about Layla Rashan, she was also in one of Tupac's last movies, gang-related. She was. Uh, she played a prostitute in that movie. I still haven't seen that movie. You know, you have to see that movie. Will, I, I know we kind of glossed over Robin Harris. Don't worry. We're going to get to him. He's going to get his due. Uh, even yes. as little as he's in, in this movie, I'd like to give him a little bit of a, of props on how great of a comedian he was. And we'll get there in a little bit. No, but you know the brilliant – look, I mean it's a shame we didn't get him for as long as we did. Mm. But it, it's, something, it's something to be said. You know what Robin Harris reminded me of? And I don't know if you'll agree with this uh, assessment that I came up with, mm-hmm. but he kind of reminds me of like uh, a Rodney Dangerfield type, where he'll kind of come in, hit you with that one-liner, and not overstay his welcome, and then kind of like, you know what I mean? He would kind of come in and add that levity. Mm-hmm. When things would start to get too heavy in a movie, he would kind of come in, hit that one-liner, and go like, okay, I did my part, see you later type of deal. He didn't – you know what I it, What I really thought was great about – he didn't even have to do the one-liner. If he was – whatever, if he didn't know what, what was next, he would just put his head down, roll, give you that look with his eyes where he got that big bug-eyed, roll-his-eyes-up look. And that's all it took. That was funny as shit. Yeah. And then he got very – I mean I – Obviously, don't know, but I'm going to assume. I mean, everything in this world is timing and luck. He got very lucky by getting Bebe's kids, which yeah. blew him up. People oh, yeah, yeah, finally yeah, started taking him serious instead of just a fucking dirty, dirty comic that will, you know, happen to be in the house party one and two. Was he in yeah. three? Was he in house yeah. party three? No, no, he was only in the first one. They you, they, they, they use stock footage in part two for him. Well, well, he was still in it. But... Well, yeah, technically I, he was in the first three, but there was no new material filmed. <laughs> I thought he was in the second one. Yeah, they used footage from the first one. No, I thought he was in the... No, 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 no. He actually, no, he oh, actually died before the first one came out. Oh, uh, we're going to have to do a house party trilogy. Oh, no, yeah, the first three, I... The, Last two, I fucked them. <laughs> I didn't even know there were two more. I, yeah, we'll do a trilogy. We'll do the first. You know what? We'll do the first two. <laughs> well, we can do the first three because I, I like the first three. And um, Class Act is, is one of those ones that I honestly think gets kind of overlooked a lot. We'll do Class Act by Classic. itself because I like that movie. I actually saw that in the movies. Down in Virginia. Of all I did, too. I did, too. Honestly, I saw that shit in the movie theater, bro. Absolutely, man. Uh, let's see. Weebs, of course, doing his usual spitting some facts. Two thousand In 2006, a posthumous DVD was titled We Don't Die, We Multiply, the Robin Harris story. I got to check that out. Um, film features never before seen footage, uh, be seen performances by Robin Harris, accolades from, you know, comedians that obviously had a big... Uh, that took some stuff from him, you know, a big influence. Martin Lawrence, Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac definitely had a Robin Harris influence. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer, definitely a deal. Hughley, fuck that guy. Robert Townsend, I like Robert Townsend. Joe Torre, 
I like him too. Uh, so you know, and um, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate DL Hughley. I'm sorry. All right, so Bob. Sorry. So we're gonna back off DL for you say something you might regret. Nope. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> nope. It's got nothing to do with. Any, I just, I told you last time, I just don't appreciate his fucking jokes. I think they're, they're just, they're just, he uses race in every single joke just to get a laugh. Same th- reason I don't like Carlos uh, Mencia. I think he adds the word Mexican just to get a fucking laugh. I don't find that funny. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I agree with you on that just for the simple fact that yeah, I mean, you might be get you might be able to get a certain level of laughter from your like I guess from your core demographic. Mm-hmm. But like if you if you're Carlos Mancia, for example, and you're in a room full of white people telling Mexican jokes, yeah, it's going to feel awkward because they're not they don't they're not going to want to laugh, mm-hmm. or if they do laugh, you want it might be construed as racist. It, it, it opens up a can of worms that you really don't want to open. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you kind of got to be versatile with your comedy. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. It's just. But, uh, I did want to give you a little random factoid about Robin Harris. I don't know if you knew this, mm-hmm. but uh, you remember we, we were talking about Baby Kids. That's obviously his the only really commercial album that he ever came out with. Mm-hmm. But did you ever see the movie, the uh, animated cartoon? Yeah, I, I saw the the movie. I know. I, didn't it turn into an actual TV thing? That I'm not sure about, but I know it was. Me I, either. I did see the movie though. Absolutely. I baked uh, myself. I actually saw the movie in theaters. <laughs> That I didn't do, but I've seen that movie. Matter of fact, I gotta, I gotta put that movie in my collection. Um, yeah, I too. don't know why I don't have it. My can't show that to my kids, can I? Is that a kid? I have it on VHS. I gotta get it on DVD or something. Oh, but I was I'll saying, I only brought that up because, um, obviously, by the time that movie it came out in like uh, I want to say ninety two, might mm-hmm. be wrong. I think it came out like ninety two, ninety three range. But uh, obviously, by that point, Robin Harris was dead. Right, but uh, do you know the voice? Do you know who voiced him? And the guy actually did a pretty good job. You would have actually thought it was Robin Harris. Who was it? It was a uh, Faison Love. Really? Does that name sound familiar to you? Yeah, Big Worm. Yeah, I mean he was in a lot of things. Uh huh. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh the guy who voiced uh Robin Harris. And I at first I'm like, damn. When I first saw it, like, damn, that do sound like Robin Harris. But no, it was Faison Love. Wow, he did do a really good job at that voice, man. Now that I'm thinking, I'm just thinking back to that. It's been a look. It's been a long time. I know it isn't. Uh, what's his name? Tone Loke in that movie too. Yeah, he was a uh, Pee Wee. I like Tone Loke, man. He was in um, what movie was Tone Loke in? That I was I was just watching the other day. Ford yeah. Fairlane. Oh yeah, right. He was in that. He he, he popped. Mean, he was another guy. He popped up in a lot of movies in the fucking. No, he was in Ace Ventura. Yeah, he was in Ace Ventura too. It was uh, well, I mean, Ace Ventura won the first one, but I liked him in Ace Ventura. I've I like Tone Luck. I think he's a cool guy. He seems like a really cool dude. Yeah, and him and Robin Harris probably have two of the most distinctive sounding voices you'll ever hear. <laughs> yeah, no shit, man. Shit, I can't even find that fucking movie. I will. Um, I guess we should get into the actual movie. We haven't even got there yet. Yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to some of these uh, fun facts. Let's go ahead and kind of get into the actual movie movie. Uh, movie starts out, you know, we, we we basically hit all the other facts, so let's do it. Movie starts out in 1918. 
Yes. Uh, basically starts out with Sugar Ray, played by Richard Pryor. Yes. He's having a dice game, and a uh, customer starts getting a little angry, doesn't like kids being in there. The kid is supposed to be a young Eddie Murphy playing yes. quick. Yes. And little fight arises, and they start arguing about some uh, gambling. And the little kid, who I guess they figure he was seven in this movie. If you listen to the... Later in the movie, yeah. If you listen later in the movie, they start talking about when he was born in 1911. Yeah. So he's obviously seven years old for this part in the movie. Yeah, and Brian uh, actually makes... I think he makes reference to the fact that he's 27 and it's 20 years later, that type of deal. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. So they, they really do show how old the kid was in this movie. And, um, you know, he shoots the guy dead, bullet right between the fucking eyes. And obviously this is when Richard Pryor is like, holy shit, I'm going to take this kid in. And basically he does. 20 years later, already comes by. Yes. And uh, Quick and Sugar Ray are running a nightclub called yeah. Club Sugar Ray. Yes. And uh, we got to say, we got to say this, you know, you, you talk, we talk about that opening scene and then they fast forward 20 years. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny how when you look at the course of this movie, that Sugar Ray, a.k.a. Richard Pryor, is the only character that never seems to age. How the fuck do you look the same way in 1918 that you look in 1938? He demanded not age. Yeah. I, yeah, he really... He didn't. Like, you know, like they showed a young Red Fox, and I guess they at least dyed his hair to kind of like like uh, he would have looked in his younger days. Mm-hmm. And then they fast forward 20 years. He's kind of older. He has... You know, vision problems. He has the uh, gray hair. Yeah, all but, they did was take the part out of Richard Pryor's hair. That's all. Yeah, they like did. he don't age at all. Eh. Like Richard, did he have it in his contract that look? I can't look old in this motherfucker. I yeah. can't. <laughs> I mean, they parted his hair. They put a. They, you know, they had him in a raggedy clothes back then, and then, then you know now they put him in a nice suit and no part in his hair, just kind of. But. um you know, like we said before, though, this was the kind of period piece that Eddie Murphy had been dying to do. Uh, obviously, he's got a little thing with the mobster time and era, like uh, probably a lot of us do. Yeah. Um, let's see, where can I go with this movie from here? Where was I? Uh, they're running a nightclub, Club Sugar Ray. They got a brothel ran by Della Reese. Who's a bad bitch in this movie? Um, let's see. Where can we go? Let's see. How? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty much. I mean, it's not. I mean, like, it's a funny movie, but it's really not a whole. The the plot is pretty much cut and dry. It is. It is. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll I'll, I'll keep going a little bit uh, quickly in this movie. He does meet uh, Jasmine Guy's character who's Dominic LaRue in this yeah. movie. Obviously, he has an immediate infatuation with her. Um, now, to bring that up, she works for a guy named Bugsy Calhoun, who obviously is a rival uh, gangster who owns the Pity Pat Club in this movie. And uh, he's kind of sending some of his people over there to check out 
what they're doing over there at yeah. Club Sugar Ray. See what's going on. See what's happening. And, uh, you know, this is kind of where Bugsy starts, uh, Bugsy Calhoun starts sending a few cops. One cop, actually, Danny Aiello, yeah. after Sugar Ray. And that's kind of. You know, that, uh, kind of where this movie starts shaping yes. into what it's being. Um, yes. Man, I wish I could play some things from here because I really wanted to play. Yes. How funny of a character the, the champ in this movie, Jack Jenkins, was. And how fun. I love how at one point, I know I'm skipping ahead here, Fox. I love it. It was one point in the movie where he wanted to call um, Danny Aiello's character a a punk motherfucker, and he was like punk. And, and Richard Pryor just looked at him and said, "I know what you mean." Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, know. we know. But the funniest part, I'm, I'm we're, we're both skipping ahead, but who gives it? Actually, we're not really. Um, basically, the one of the funniest parts is when he first walks in. He's talking to him. And he's sitting there, and he's trying to get the words out. He's like, you know, they're telling him, like, hey, I bet a lot of money on you. And he's like, oh, that's good. You're about to be rich. And then, of course, he starts, you know, he starts going, I'm counting on you to knock that guy out. And he goes, oh, come Friday. I'm... It took him forever to say I'm knocking someone the fuck out. And he goes, hey, you know what I mean. And Richard Pryor just goes, I do now. Yeah. Took a while, but I get it now. Now, as funny as that character is, in in, in retrospect, mm-hmm. do you think that I guess now he would probably be going through what I guess the early stages, maybe like that C whatever Benoit had, like the CTE or like put like what what uh, boxers get the punch drunk syndrome? Oh, dude, you got to remember back in these days, even Red Fox, I saw him go thirty three rounds with somebody. They didn't have the rules we had back in those days, dude. These were almost fights to the death. Literally. They would just get in there until someone finally could not get the fuck up. Yeah. They probably had concussions out of this world. People like that. Yeah. And he, he, he he clearly had a few concussions. <laughs> I mean, think about this. We're still trying to understand concussions today. So think how little they knew back in 19... This was 20 years later, so 1938 is when this movie is supposedly taking place. You know, we know... We're still kind of in the dark about a lot of this. So, you know, just imagine how in the dark they were back then. They they just thought he was a stupid motherfucker back then, probably. So... You know, but uh, we did jump forward a little bit. Uh, we can go let's... back, uh, So We brought up Dominique LaRue. Oh, yeah. When, when we were introduced to her character, she actually is a... Uh, she actually shows up with a familiar face in that, in that first scene she's in. Thomas Mickle Ford, or as he's building the movie, Tommy Ford, a Mark mm-hmm. fame. And who, who, by the way, who still had to laugh that he became famous for on Martin. Yeah, Tommy Smalls. <laughs> Yes, Tommy Smalls. Tommy Smalls in this movie. Yep, yep, yep. And remember, um, Tommy Smalls had the connection with a quick. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't bring up the movie Harlem Nights without bringing up the 
one of the greatest scenes in the movie where Eddie Murphy uh, accuses Delarice's uh, De character of stealing. She runs a brothel in this movie. She's in charge of the girls. And Eddie Murphy accuses her of stealing, and they actually go out and fight. Yes. This may <laughs> and a be... scene that today would be ripped apart, the fucking women's movement, mm. all of the fucking social justice war, they would rip this scene apart. You'd have petitions, oh. you'd have GoFundMe pages about, oh, you know, get this movie uh, taken off the shelves and all this other horse shit. Yeah, absolutely, but y- y- you can't bring up this movie without bringing up this this might be one of the most memorable parts <clears throat> I know it is for me I'm not sure if it is for everybody but this is one of the most memorable parts in this movie she's I love kicking his ass he starts beating her up because he just can't believe it he's like holy shit and Eddie Murphy ends up shooting her in the pinky toe this is one of the best this might be one of the greatest scenes ever, if you think about it, dude. Yeah. He's hilarious. She's hilarious. And, it, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's just, oh, you want to hit people with trash cans? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I, mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's freaking hilarious, especially when she kind of, like, basically dared him. Say, look, there. Yeah. Shoot me. Shoot me, motherfucker. Yeah, absolutely. Touched by an angel lady. Shoot yeah. me, motherfucker. And she did. Or, and he did. Um, but yeah, he ended up shooting her. She goes to the hospital, but obviously, you know. Um, okay, little... my guest box, you know, since we're on that scene, mm-hmm. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. Now, do you think. I guess in hindsight, even though it was it was played for laughs, it was meant to be funny, not to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Do you think in some way it glorified domestic violence or violence against women? No, not in this movie. It was a timepiece, and he let her beat the shit out of him until he finally said, oh, you want to fight? You want to fucking fight? No, I don't think it did. I think it was a comedic scene. But in this day and age, yeah, it probably. I mean, if it were would to come be... out today, and like put it to you like this: if this movie were to come out today, played the exact same way, yeah. Do you think? Do you think that it might be construed as taking things too far today? Yeah, it would be. Absolutely. Absolutely, I think it would have been today. People are just too fucking. I mean, we've 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 talked about this ad nauseum. That people are just it it all ch- fucking Janet showed a boob and the world became a bunch of fucking pussies. That's what happened. Damn you! That 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 tit wasn't even worth it, like Shaheen said. <laughs> <laughs> and I love and I'm a titty dude. I, I love titties. So I, and and I love Janet Jackson. So I, it's hard for me to knock her. But damn, you're right. But it was an accident. I don't think she, I, I don't think it was any type of publicity stunt. I think she wore something that was a little bit revealing. 
Her titty popped out unexpectedly, but I don't think she went out there with the intention of, oh, I'm going to show my titty. It's Janet Jackson. She can go out there, sing, and dance with the fucking best of them. She don't need cheap tricks to get over, so to speak. How come no one blamed Justin Timberlake? He's the one that ripped that motherfucker off. Hey, when in doubt, blame the white man. That's what I do. Um, that- <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. No, it all fell on Janet Jackson. Yeah. Damn it. Anyway. Uh, where were we at? Let's see. Um, right at the part here where he is about to go meet with, well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's start here. This cop that we've mentioned, Danny Aiello, actually comes into the club and makes a deal. This is where, you know, they start realizing that they're going to be definitely either moving or something's going to have to happen with yeah. Bugsy Calhoun. Bugsy Calhoun says they're making about 15000 a week. He only wants 10000 of that a week. Yes. 15000 you got to realize, 1938, 15000 a week back then. Holy fuck, man. Things were probably yeah. a fucking, you know, five cents. No, fuck that. You figure... Fifteen thousand dollars a week and two and in a nineteen thirty eight or nineteen thirties in general mm-hmm. will probably be equip would probably be the equivalent of like making a two hundred thousand a week in today's money. Probably. Something along those lines. Because you gotta figure and back then everything was dirt fucking cheap. Mm-hmm. So if you if you had fifteen thousand dollars in the bank, you was living lovely. Here you go. $15,000 in 1938 had the same buying power as having $246,380 in in 2016. Wow, see, I wasn't that off then. No, you were pretty close. But yeah, almost a half a million dollars a week would be now. So they were pulling in some fucking money back then, you know? So, yeah, you, you got it because you got to figure. I was having a discussion, you know, a little bit off topic, but fuck it, it's what we do. Uh, you know how like um, well, obviously, Box, he was just born in the mid. I think he was born in the mid seventies. But do you remember like hearing about? I guess as you got a little older about the gas crisis in the eight in the seventies, where I guess everybody had to be like careful about how much gas they used. They had to be judicious with how they use certain things. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure like Archie Bunker. How much would you say Archie Bunker was making in the seventies as a cab driver on average a week? How much would he maybe two, three hundred dollars a week? Oh, I'd figure probably that, maybe three fifty, four hundred at the most, yeah. Now you gotta figure. Even though, like I said, you know, nowadays we're making more money, but what's fucking up what's fucking up the economy now is the cost of living is up. Yeah. But if you take if you take honestly, think about it. If you take the money that even guys like me and you are making now. And you give that to Archie Bunker in the fucking seventies, he would be living like a fucking fat rat. Oh yeah, because especially if you, if you apply like the cost of living that they would mm-hmm. have, had to go through, even though I guess by those standards, you know, when you're only making two three hundred dollars, it, it's kind of a struggle, you know, to maintain your household, utility bills, groceries, that type of stuff. But if you take the money that we're making and give it to them back then, oh, they living pretty. Yeah, definitely, man. It would be. It would be nice. 
Shit. It's almost yeah, it's bizarre to me to think that at one point in this country, gas was like five cent a gallon. You can go on a gas station with twenty dollars and fill up. Damn, twelve five bucks. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you go with a five and be damn be full and probably get fucking two cheeseburgers and a fry at McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, damn. Back in the good, I mean, I don't know, my, my parents, oh, I remember when cheeseburgers at McDonald's were a nickel. I don't, but they do. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, I, I don't even understand, like, I, it's funny because obviously we have, neither one of us have any kind of recollection of, like, things being a nickel and all this shit, but I could just remember, like, watching, you know, growing up, like, old school episodes like Dennis the Menace back when it was in black and white. Uh-huh. And you you give a kid like a a quarter to go to the movies and get you know snacks and stuff. I'm like, how the fuck is this kid going? They they giving him like a buck or something to go to the movies. Yeah. And like get snacks and all. Can you imagine the day if you try to give a kid a buck to go to the movies? They look at you like you was fucking crazy. Like what? Like a buck? This won't even get me through the front door. Yeah. No shit. Oh man. But anyway. That yeah, so almost a half a million dollars a week technically they'd be making back then. God damn, that was good shit. Um, you know, kind of uh, another. Obviously, we have to bring up the scene with um, Tommy Smalls, who you mentioned a little while ago, yes. gets uh, gets killed. They think uh, Bugsy Calhoun thinks he's skimming. And he ends up killing him. Arsenio Hall ends up seeing him coming out of the building and thinks that Eddie Murphy killed his brother. This turns into one of the funniest scenes in the movie where they chase Eddie Murphy's car down and... (laughs) Do you remember this scene... Oh yeah, I remember it well. I actually rewatched the movie tonight, but I, I, <laughs> I, I cannot too. go without mentioning this scene because I guess to backtrack a little bit, when they killed Tommy Smalls, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, Calhoun thought he was skimming, so he told this guy basically, we got to backtrack a little bit because he actually told the guy when you kill him, like I think he said, uh, cut his throat from here to here right. type of thing, and he sent Danny Danny Ayel over to his house, and how they catch him is he's basically coming down presumably with a prostitute or something, some chick that he picked up. Yeah. And he, he and Danny Ayel, as soon as the elevator opens up, he cold cocks him. And he just yeah. looks at the girl with a straight face and goes, do you know him? No, I don't. And no. she <laughs> Nice to meet you. These hoes ain't loyal, man. Yeah. These fucking hoes ain't loyal. He said, nice to meet you. And he walks away. But yeah, yeah. And then he, uh, and then he shoots him. And the, I, I guess we can call him uh, the henchman for um, Bugsy goes, he told me to cut his throat. Denny Aiello, calm, cool. So go ahead and cut it. Cool, man. He's a cool. Denny Aiello, I don't know what he's doing now. I hope he's in good health. He's a cool motherfucker and whatever he's in. Now, he did another movie that was a weird movie. What was that goddamn movie's name? Hold on. Let me get it. Let me get it. I don't want to mess it up. Give me one minute. It was a really weird, weird, weird movie. Was it Two Days in... 
hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm at his name right now. Give me two seconds here. As soon as I see it, I'll know what it was. But it was an underrated, really kind of, I'm not going to say it was an indie movie, but it was a Two Days in the Valley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that, actually. Great fucking movie. Uh, you know what? If you haven't seen that, check that movie out. Denny Aiello, Jeff Daniels, Terry Hatcher, Glenn he uh, Headley. Um, tons of people. Eric Stoltz, James Spader. This is an amazing movie that didn't get much credit at all. But yeah, and uh, once again, that's why we're gonna. That's why we have this show, and we're gonna yeah. bring attention to these movies that don't get the credit they deserve. Yeah, it's he's there's you know Denny Aiello plays a hitman who's washed up, he's suicidal in some parts, he's got kidney stones, there's kidnapping. It's it's a great, great little movie. Uh, not, eh, well, it's not going to be for everybody, but it's definitely a hell of a fucking movie. Definitely. So, and it has uh, somebody from uh, Vic, Vic Pal uh, Palizos. Oh, <laughs> you got that one out? No, I don't. God damn it. Who is in Harlem Nights? He's Richie Vento. Richie oh, Vento. Yes. We're going to get to him later. We're we'll get to Richie Vento in a minute when we start talking. We already talked about Sunshine. We'll definitely get to Richie yes, Vento. Yes, yes. He, <laughs> he, he, he put it to you like this, fellas. He gives you advice on yes. how to handle the ladies in your yes. home situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, he is in that movie, and that's a that that's a part that Weaves understand. Uh, and he's right. Two days in the valley, you get to see Charlie Theron nude for a few seconds. It's wonderful. Uh <laughs> no, no, no. It's not wonderful. It's fantastic. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, back to the part where Arsenio and all of his guys are chasing him down. I wanted to mention something. Arsenio and all his guys are chasing him, Eddie Murphy down, thinking he, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy murdered his brother Tommy Smalls. And they're driving. And while they're driving, Eddie Murphy hits his brakes. They hit Eddie Murphy. And while they're going back and forth, Arsenio Hall shoots one Junior. of yeah, shoots Junior in the head. I've always looked at that scene after Pulp Fiction came out and just went, I wonder if that's where Quentin Tarantino got his idea for that scene. Probably. You know, where, 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 where Travolta shoots Marvin in the head accidentally. Yeah. I've always wondered that. That's a question I would love to eventually ask that man. But um, I would say so. He probably did. I would say it's somewhere in there. Now he might it's have. kind of it's kind of funny because obviously you know Tommy Smalls got killed as we've already established because of a he was thought to be skimming. Now let me ask you this: Do you think it was kind of like they kind of fell? It was kind of like dumb luck. The way they kind of implicated Quick in it, because that wasn't the original intention, I don't think. Because mm. he, they, they were basically killing him on something separate. 
Yeah, but it kind of kind of like tied into it. Do you think that that was kind of coincidental, or do you think they kind of you know I'm talking about from a, in a, a director's point of view? Do you oh, think yeah. they kind of wanted you to kind of put that tie that loose end together for yourself, like? Hmm, maybe it was like support. They was meant to happen that way, where they were trying to implicate quick, but it really wasn't that way to begin with. Uh, possibly, and probably that's kind of what it was, because that's kind of how it came off. Is that oh well, he just happened to be there. Um, I think it was a way to just take out those characters and not have them be any more in the movie quickly. <laughs> quickly, I didn't even realize it did that. Anyway, um, <laughs> I see you, boss. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the one of the and that's another one of the funniest movies, uh, uh, funniest scenes in this movie, is where they've got Eddie Murphy pinned in a store, and all three of them are out there shooting at him. There were four, but of course, Junior got shot in the head. They're outside shooting at him inside of a store. <laughs> I know, Arsenio, I know people... <laughs> Oh yeah, Arsenio Hall's crying. He shot my brother, motherfucker. Ah! But there's one guy who's got a little six shooter revolver. And they've Pop. had fucking Tommy guns. You hear the Tommy gun you know, and then Yep. <laughs> Again, we have no that. sound tonight. I'm sorry we have a little sound issue tonight. Yeah, so no, just for, I, I wish we had sound just for the simple fact of our sound going, put that little motherfucker away. <laughs> put that <laughs> motherfucker away. What's that little motherfucker doing? <laughs> that is another one of the greatest parts in this movie. I, I, one, another one of the reasons I remember this movie is that part. Of this movie. Um, from there, he goes to meet Jasmine Guy. Oh, wait, wait, Bob. Just get no, go ahead. Important scene. Oh. Were you impressed with Eddie Murphy's shooting ability? Great aim. He goes, fuck this. Stands up, pop, 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 down. Oh, look, I shot all three. And then Eddie, and, and then Arsenio Hall, great <laughs> thespian that he is, goes, asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As he dies dramatically. <laughs> God damn! That what was a good God. like I movie. said. That, that I guess that was one of those like tongue in cheek things that you know. I guess it's like one of the reasons people hate wrestling sometimes. It's because it's yeah. so tongue in cheek. It kind of like take too many nods to the camera, and that's yeah. probably why a lot of critics didn't like it because they had a lot of those little moments where it was clearly like they were kind of like winking at the camera with that scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah. fuck it, it was in it. It was funny. Fuck it. Yeah, it was. Fuck it. Like it, it wasn't. Look, a movie at the end of the day, I think it's supposed to. Make you laugh, make you forget about real world shit for a minute, right? And uh, you know, I, I, this is a little rant I wanted to go on. I don't know how many um, time I don't. It's been like eighty something uh, Academy Awards, right? Mm-hmm. So eighty over eighty years. I think they did. I think they're at eighty eight now. I don't know the whole entire backlog. I'm not gonna do the research. It's too fucking many Academy Awards, but I don't think a a, a comedy has ever been nominated, and I damn sure don't think it's ever won an Academy Award, and I think that's an injustice. Because it's honestly like, hmm. I'm not even saying Harlem Knight should have won an Academy Award for Best Picture, 
Oh, but there's been a lot of comedies out there, like over the years, that looking back should have at least been in the conversation for best movie of the year. Why does everything have to be like a sad sack? She got cancer. He overcame. I shall over. Everything has to be like has that underlying theme of overcoming or like just being a sad ass fucking movie. Most of the time, it's some foreign movie you've never fucking heard of. Yeah, but you know, it's. No, this movie never. Oh wait, it did get nominated according to Weebs for uh, costume design. Look at oh, that. Yeah. But uh, no, this movie. You know, we said before this was not. This wasn't a movie that you're gonna look at. Oh, this is a fucking. This is getting all kinds of awards. No, take this movie for what it is. It's a fun, funny, gangster movie. It's really what it is. Wow, that's what it is. Take it for what it is. You don't break every fucking movie down to the you know low, damn lowest denominator and have to just say this movie doesn't have this, doesn't have that. If a movie's fucking funny, if a movie's good, it's good. And this was a good fucking movie, man. In my opinion, so many. Do you realize how many? Funny, amazing scenes made this movie great. The next scene I actually wanted to talk about made this fucking scene great, where he goes to actually fuck Jasmine guy. Yes. And he finds the gun under her pillow. It was, it's such a cute. We have so much in common. <laughs> she said, such a cute little girl. No, he even kisses the gun. Yeah, but and the funny and the funny thing is, I just start, I, like I said, I I was watching it earlier before we started the show. I'm just watching it now because I felt like watching it, and I swear, I lie to you not, box. I'm not just saying this because you're on with me right now. When Eddie Murphy came across when he did that scene with the gun, I automatically thought of you. <laughs> I, I'm thinking like this is this would be Box's dream situation if he if he hook up with a chick who happens to have a gun under the pillow, he probably would have an Eddie Murphy moment. Yeah, but I will also unload and unfucking chamber that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, as we'll get to in a second there, you'll probably mm. you'll do yeah, exactly. Like I said, you'll have an Eddie Murphy moment. You'll I be would. Dead. Yep, yep. And he finally realizes why does she have a gun under the pillow? But uh yeah, like I said before, Jasmine and Guy unfortunately didn't last long, but that was one of the f- you know, just that little Listen, this is kind of like Rocky Five to me. Rocky Five may not have been to most people the greatest movie, but Rocky Five has so many quotable lines, which to me makes it a great kind of movie. You know, this movie is the same thing. Quotable lines, quotable scenes, scenes that stick with you, which is why I think to you know, eh, maybe what I said earlier was wrong. This movie might not have been great today. Maybe it was put out at the right time and needed to get that that kind of cult following. But I don't know. Everyone who I've ever asked about this movie says it's a great movie, yet the yeah. critics couldn't stand it. So, well, the best whatever. way to judge a movie, in my opinion, is how it makes you feel. Yeah. If, if, if you can watch a movie, if, if you're having a shitty ass day, 
Where, or, you know, quote-unquote, the worst day of your life. You know, your girl left, you lost your job, whatever. If you can just pick, whether it's this movie or any movie, whatever movie you can think of, and you can just throw that movie on and you instantly, for that hour and a half, two hours, forget whatever's pissing you off, whatever's bothering you, mm-hmm. that, to me, is a good movie. I don't give a fuck if it got negative stars. I don't no. give a fuck who else buried it. If it makes you feel good, it's a good fucking movie. Even yeah. if you're the only person on the face of the planet that likes it. Yeah, I don't really care what these – like I said, critics are nothing but two people giving their opinion just like we are. It's just we've done movies we like so far. All of the movies we've done we enjoy. Yeah. That's probably a good reason to do a podcast because you enjoy the movies you're talking about. Yeah, but, but I, yeah, I, I guess at some point we really got to pick a shitty movie <laughs> to kind of keep up, you know. Because <laughs> well, you know, when I first, when I first kind of like, I, I had the description on Twitter of like we review movies that we like, blah blah blah, and then yeah. we also review movies that we that we think suck. <laughs> well, we haven't got there yet, but I do want to do that WWE movie, that interrogation movie. I've got it. Ah, so I'll get it over to you, and we can. We could figure out when to do that one. But, um, you know, the good thing, obviously, is at least he did, in, in Eddie Murphy's character in this movie, did get to bang Jasmine Guy before she tried to kill him, and he ended up killing her. And it's funny, I don't know, and this might be morbid on my part. You know how they showed the scene with, uh, they showed uh, Tommy Smalls, the aftermath? Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of curious as to why they chose not to show Jasmine Guy's character killed off. You did the, I mean, I mean, that just seemed kind of like, I mean, obviously, I guess it was, I guess maybe an artistic decision, but yeah. it was kind of like why they didn't, you know, they showed Tommy Smalls, you know, throat slash bullets all over it, and it's like why didn't they show her? You know, it would have been, it would have been kind of interesting to see like the aftermath. Yeah, I'm not sure if that really would have been a pivotal scene in the movie that even needed to be in there, but I don't know. I think they just wanted to get rid of the character and go from there. And they were really trying to forward that Quick was a badass in this movie. Obviously, Eddie Murphy was trying to make <laughs> you, himself a badass. You, you can tell but, Eddie, put it to you like this, to put it in wrestling terms, you can tell Eddie Murphy was the booker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eddie was booking this. Um, <laughs> Gotta make Eddie look strong. <laughs> now, Another scene I wish I could play is when Delores explains sunshine. Sunshine. Pussy so good you could throw it up in the air. <laughs> and it turns into sunshine. sunshine. And uh, speaking of quotable lines, late great Red Fox contributed another line later in that, in that same vein since we're talking mm-hmm. about pussy. Yep. He said, "You know it's so mean, pussy, to make a motherfucker change gods." <laughs> when he was willing. To... Now, I'm sorry. I heard that line. That was fucking crazy. You're 100 percent right, dude. Another excellent fucking line of the. Like I said, I could play the. Everyone listening will hear what I play, but you're not gonna hear it. So. It's not even worth playing them, but um, according to Weebs, I am, uh, (laughs) I am the fucking guy in this movie um, that she's (laughs) 
that she's after. Because if I ever met fucking Caitlyn from WWE, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You'd be like, yo, box, box, let me ask you, would you pull I ain't never coming home again, babe. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's daddy. Yeah. Put mommy on the phone. <laughs> hey, hey, Logan, let me speak to mommy. <laughs> I ain't never coming home again. Click. <laughs> take care. What are you telling? Take care. Take care. Bye. <laughs> You know, honestly, what made this, like I said, I always say when it comes to movies, it's not always what you say. It's just how you say it in your delivery. And he said that in such a deadpan way where you could actually, you could literally believe this man in real life would actually call his wife or call his family and say, yeah, I ain't ain't never coming home again. Take care. Absolutely, man. Uh, Just another We're all over the place. But uh, remember that scene, I guess, after... uh, Richie and uh, Sunshine did the deed, and yeah. she's at the door about to leave, and he kind of looks at her with a tear in his eye. Yeah. I, swear, I felt like I was watching a Flair promo with a tear in his <laughs> eye. He had that little tear. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, like I said, this movie is fucking priceless. It is, man. It is. And I, 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 I gotta tell you, man, her character, Sunshine, in this movie... Absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous. Gore- drop dead gorgeous. To be honest with you, dude, she was amazingly hot in this fucking movie. Yeah, and amazing. it kind of makes you wonder because obviously she was working. She was one of Della Reese's girls. Mm. If she was, if she was like, I obviously, she, I guess she would be like the main eventer. Mm. You would think, why, why was the pain? Why was the payments for the girls coming up short if she was one of the girls? Because we honestly, it's like you. Obviously, like you said, uh, Della Reese's character uh, basically ran a brothel. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of weird that, like, outside of Sunshine, they didn't really introduce any other of those characters. Like, to kind of, like, establish that, okay, she was, like, a madam. She kind of, like, was a badass. They really didn't kind of establish that aspect of her character. It, it was kind of, like, more, like, spoken of and not really seen. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, they didn't really need to. I'm glad they showed her her character, though. God damn, she was hot in this movie. She was sexy as hell in this movie. Yeah, she like I said, she uh, yeah, she didn't really do much. Her role was basically to be a piece of ass, but she played it so well. <laughs> she did. Um, and when they found her as Lady Heroin, <laughs> another great line. Just because your last name's heroin doesn't need to go around selling it. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm gonna have to look this dude up, man. I, honestly, the only thing I've ever seen him in was freaking Harlem Nights. But the guy, like, no, he's no, you haven't. Cold. You've seen him in more. I guarantee you've seen him in more stuff. Hold on, here you go. Here, I got him right here. He was in Eraser. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I had to go back. All right, here. Let me let, let me explain. This guy's been acting since nineteen eighty. Here uh, you go. T.J. Hooker. Damn. Saint Elsewhere. MacGyver. All right, let me let's go up a little bit. Some stuff you might know. He was in Roseanne for one episode. He was in a Seinfeld episode. He was in Who's the Boss. <laughs> Dang, this guy a, made the rounds. For a few episodes. 
Jesus Christ, Murder, She Wrote, X-Files. I'm just glossing over here. Malcolm and Eddie. He was even a Malcolm and Eddie. Judging Amy, TV. He's done a ton of TV, this guy. Wow. Has he, without a trace, Boston Legal. He's basically a TV guy. But he mm. ended up in this modern, he was in Modern Family as of 2010. Uh, he's done a ton of TV, this guy. But I've seen him in a few different things here and there. And you kind of catch him like, oh my God. Guess what? He was in two episodes of NYPD Blue. Uh, <laughs> of course. I'm telling you, everyone's been in NYPD Blue, dude. Everybody has been in NYPD Blue. But he's been in a ton of stuff, man. He's got like a hundred and some credit hundred and fourteen credits to his uh to his IMDB, so Yeah. But I I would say like yeah, yeah, like I say, I probably have seen him in things and just kinda overlooked them. Mm-hmm. But I will I will say this though, out of all the things I don't out of a hundred movies or T and T V show appearances Harlem Max would easily be in his like top five in terms of memorable. I oh, guarantee yeah. you, like if people see him on the street, hey Richie, did you ever go did you ever go back home to the kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say this is probably his most memorable role though, but he's been in a few different things. Um finally they do uh the cop finally does bust the club and Another funny scene is when uh, Richard Pryor goes to bail them all out. And he's just sitting there, you know, greeting everybody as they leave. And Red Fox is just sitting there bragging about how fucking great it is. He's like, we had a bunch of limos out there and champagne. Just another great scene, man. Red Fox... God damn, he was amazing. No, and another once again it's like um, and I guess this is kind of like uh, you get to see the softer side of Della Reese, and you get to see like a this is like a sensitive moment in a movie. Mm-hmm. She's making sandwiches and all that kind of stuff, and Pryor and uh, Fox basically tell Eddie Murphy, uh, "You need to apologize." I mean, because deep down she's a good person, she loves you, she cares about you, and she and you really hurt her, literally and figuratively, when you shot her. Yeah. And exactly. like uh, they um basically are uh, Della Reese and Red Fox is arguing back and forth. You got my mouth all set up for some hash brands, <laughs> motherfucker. They going back yeah. and forth. They kind and at of. One point, they sort of imply that Red Fox and her character are together in this movie. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but it, I, I just it was funny because I can't remember the exact line. I wish we could pull it. But at one point, you know, Red Fox is giving like this very emotional. You need to apologize. She's a good, caring woman. Yeah. Shut up, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she really deep down inside. Yeah. She really is a caring woman, and you need to apologize. And I swear, I about lost my shit. That is another great fucking comment. The fucking great quote in the movie. Just, yeah, she. And he's like, yeah, she's really a sensitive behind. She's a loving woman. Ah, fuck you, bitch. And then, <laughs> and then he goes, like I said. You know, she really is. She really is a good woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he does apologize for shooting her in the foot, and she's over there crying, and she won't admit it either. As soon as he walks out, she says, "God damn, I love that boy." So obviously they're okay. Which it, and it is kind of a touching moment in the movie where you realize that 
deep down, yeah. like everybody cares about everybody. Like, right. Like, um, because you got to figure. It's basically implied and stated that Richard Pryor raised Eddie Murphy from the time he was a kid because well, he apparently came from son. Home. Yeah, and they call him his son two or three times in the movie. So, and uh, and, and I don't know. What did you think about the scene where, um, obviously at the, uh, I guess his near death experience with uh Dominique Larue, he actually got two near death experiences, and he goes over to uh, Sugar Ray's house and goes, you know what? I had enough of this shit. They trying to kill me. I'm gonna kill them. And then prior get look sit that sit the fuck down. Mm-hmm. And he gives him he gives him the famous you know ain't nothing cool about dying at 27. You know what's cool? Getting old with your kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said exactly. ain't nothing cool. And like Richard Pryor, like dead, dead ass serious. Ain't nothing cool about dying at 27. <laughs> no, no. And, and it really told, ain't. You know, you're young. You're full of fucking. You know, you're young and dumb. But yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm actually at the part right now where Richie calls home, tells his wife he ain't never fucking coming home again because the sunshine's badass pussy. Yes. Oh, uh, another, you know, I'm going through, I'm going through some of the characters here. Mm-hmm. Did you recognize Richard Pryor's wife in the movie? No. When she basically was like, you know, when she was the one talking to him, I don't want to move, I don't want to leave Harlem. Mm-mm. You don't know who that was? No. His wife in the movie was a uh, Berlinda Tolbert. Right. Who she was she? uh she was a uh, Jenny from uh the Jeffersons. Oh shit. Didn't even notice. Yeah. Man, it's you know how long it's been since I've watched the fucking Jeffersons Jeffersons, goddammit. Yeah, but I mean look 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 look. I'm stuttering now, but look. <laughs> I'm like da 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 da, no, but I'm um, seriously. It's like I was. I swear, when I saw Charlie, I was watching this today. When I watched it back, because it had been a while since I actually sat down and watched Charlie, I'm like, God damn, I forgot Charlie Murphy was in this fucking movie. Because like I said, yeah. he, he's kind of like a bag. He's like a he's like there, but he doesn't really have enough of a role, and he's not really the Charlie Murphy that we know today. Mm. So it was kind of like he kind of like if you if you're not really paying attention, you that you actually forget he's in the movie. I think Charlie Murphy should have got more fucking roles. I know he was in Chappelle's show and shit like that, but he 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 was really not as funny as his brother, but he was funny. And how um, bizarre is it to think that they only acted together twice? I think they did this and they did more. Mm-hmm. I don't think they did anything else together mm-hmm. on camera. I don't think so either. Um, Got to mention real quick, Michael Buffer does have a quick cameo in this movie as the announcer, of course. <laughs> because you can't do a boxing scene without Michael Buffer being in it. Um, since we're talking about the boxing match, this is actually a big, we do have to roll back a little bit. Um, one part right after they kill Tommy Smalls and Detective uh, Sergeant Cantone is talking to Bugsy Calhoun saying that they just realized that um. Uh, God damn it! Richard Pryor and uh, Eddie Murphy and their crew put down a lot of money on the white boy in this movie to win the boxing match, which immediately sparks Calhoun, which was part of their plan to put money on him because they think that Jenkins is in this movie to take a dive. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. Again, I love this fucking, that guy, Stan Shaw. He's amazing. Really, he is. He should be, he should be in more stuff too. But anything I've ever seen him in, I'm just like, holy shit, I know who that is. Yeah, and uh, believe it or not, he's in another movie that you probably, I don't know if you ever saw. It it, kind of flies under the radar. It's nothing really overly spectacular, but I like it. He's in a little movie called House Guests with Sinbad and Phil Hartman. Oh, shit. Yeah, I've seen that a long time ago. Long, long time ago. But um, obviously, part of this we haven't even mentioned yet. The ending of this movie basically goes around these guys are trying to steal enough money to give everyone $50,000 to get the fuck out of town. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, we obviously mentioned that because part of that money is going to come from the fake bet that we just mentioned that they're going against the uh, the white boy, the clean-cut white boy in the movie. Yeah. And betting with them, um, but of but what they're doing is planning on stealing that money by using sunshine as Miss Heroin. Yes. Uh, so this is another. Once again, we always say another great scene, but another great scene in this movie where right after Richie picks up. Uh, Lady Heroin, they get into a car accident. And it, Anthony, pick it up from here. There's something. You okay? Uh, yeah, there's some people. There, I, I hear yelling in the hallway. Give me one minute. Grab your piece, box. <laughs> Grab your piece. No, no, no. no. It, I hear my, my, my kid should not be up at 1130 here. So give me one minute. I'll be right back. Go okay. ahead and talk about the scene. The light just turned red. Car crash and go. Gotcha. Basically, uh, Charlie Murphy, his character basically is manipulating the streetlights. They're set. Richie and uh, Miss Heroin or Sunshine are ready to go through the light. And all of a sudden, it changes red. And there's a head-on collision with a cop car. Who's in the cop car, you may say? It's uh, Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor, who basically scheme. And basically, they basically uh, put those two on blast and say, Richie, you fucked up. You're with the infamous Miss Heroin. We've been trailing her all night. Richie is scared shitless at this point because he realizes he done fucked up. And uh, what happens is they're set to take him in. All, all it is is just a setup to get the money from Richie, which is uh, Calhoun's money. And all of a sudden, two cops, two white cops, I might add, show up and basically get Richie out of the clear. But uh, what happens from that point on, he drives, he drops the money off at uh, Calhoun's or what he thinks is the money, and it's basically sugar. Honest to God, sugar. And at this point, Calhoun and his crew is pissed off because they know Quick and Sugar Ray didn't pull the wool over their eyes and stole their fucking money. So he goes over to Mr. Ray's house, and that's when shit really hits the fucking fan. All right, sorry about that. Uh, Everything okay? Yeah, my son thought it was 8 o'clock in the morning and wanted to start playing video games. 
Okay, Box. Basically, I gave people a quick summary of <laughs> just to catch you up on what I said. You didn't miss yeah. much. You're at the scene with the car crash. Uh, mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. I'm sorry. Charlie Murphy is manipulating the lights. Uh, Miss Heroin and Richie are straight are ready to go through that green light. All of a sudden, he changes to red. They have a head-on collision with uh, Sugar Ray and Quick, and that's when they put their plan into place to steal the money, Calhoun's money, from him. So what happens is the two white cops show up and basically clear Richie, get him out of a out of a pickle, because those once again they're connected to Calhoun. Mm-hmm. And then from there, Richie drops off the money to Calhoun or what he thinks is the money. Calhoun opens it and realizes it's fucking sugar. It's not even Harrow. He can't. He 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 can't even uh, flip it for anything. It's fucking yeah. sugar. Oh, a great part. And of course, you know Danny Aiello's cop character the whole time is watching this, and you know seeing what's going on. And they end up bringing, we got to mention this part where they bring Danny Aiello's character to an abandoned bank. And he asks, why? What he can't figure out is why they would be coming to a bank that was abandoned. And they let him know that they're making a deposit deposit not a withdrawal and another great is when they're talking this is another you know memorable scene where they're talking to him and Eddie Murphy's talking about take short breaths real short like don't and <laughs> Anyway, Denny I.L. is looking at him like, fuck you. And then as soon as the door closes in the vault, which they lock him in, yes. you know, oh. they wait a few seconds, camera focuses on him, and he's going. And uh, obviously, this is, you know, <laughs> you know we got to give a shout out to Eddie Murphy. And honestly, everybody involved with this, because they kind of really kind of like hit the race issues uh, head on in this movie because obviously it really spoke to the times. Obviously, 30s, 40s, it was very politically incorrect. Mm-hmm. I mean, Danny Aiello, his character, and uh, Calhoun's character, they were they were basically, <laughs> they were portrayed as bigots. <laughs> yeah, basically. Hard, like, hard, like hardcore. They didn't even dance around. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've definitely skipped a few quotes in this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, let's just say Danny Aiello, he 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 said things with comfort. He said certain things with very, he said it with very little uh, trepidation. Uh, he's an old school Italian. Come on. <laughs> I mean, but like I said, I'm not even knocking it because that's it's straight. It stayed true to how people were even even in the late '80s, even in the '80s. Yeah, guys were just hardcore. Like you know, they just went there with it. Well. Breakdancing made everybody cool. Uh, breaking? breaking. I, thought, I, th- I thought it was a electric boogaloo. <laughs> that was breaking too, sir. I know. I have both. Um, yeah, but I, I uh, back to the, but yeah, Danny Aiello's a really good. Like we 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 said before, he's a great actor. Catch it. You mentioned the part where he's already doing that. Now, while he realizes that he can't even flip the product because it's sugar, 
another part of the plan kicks in, and Dela Reese comes by. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. And basically gets them to go to Sugar's apartment. And this is kind of where the movie starts getting a little tied up. We're not going to keep everybody here too fucking long tonight. Don't worry about that, guys. Uh, well, come on. We've only been here an hour and a half. Calm down. Uh, and, um, you know, they finally get over to the apartment with Bugsy Calhoun and all the people. And it's a setup. Bugsy yeah. Calhoun is actually blown up in this. And, you know, one thing I can never figure out is if Bugsy was dead and the cop was where he was, why didn't they just stay? But anyway, that's digging a little too deep into the movie. Uh, it was a setup. They blew up Sugar Ray's apartment. That's probably yeah. the reason. And I, I love and... how Calhoun, it's like, it's like you know, mm -hmm. once again, it goes to, like I said, you don't see this kind of attention to detail Yeah. anymore. Like, he basically, he, it's almost like he knew from the moment they walked in that something wasn't right. Hey, 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 Bugsy, uh. This is a uh, look at look at the badge, looking all this shit, and then it was like, wait, it's a setup. Don't touch yep. anything. <laughs> yeah, let's exactly. get the fuck out of here. No, Joey, no. Oh. <laughs> and of course, right after, oh god damn, right after that, mm. something went down my fucking throat. Right after that, uh. They're all looking at the city, but the two cops that we thought were taking their money were actually involved in the scam, and they're, they're shown paying off the cops and getting the fuck out of town, scot-free, with $50,000 each in their pocket. Yes. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. Now, I guess, you know, you talk about tying up loose ends. How long, theoretically... Speaking, how long do you think Danny Aiello's character, how long do you think his character held on? Like, in other words, by the time hmm. Calhoun and them died, you mm -hmm. think he was still alive? Well, they told, who did, didn't they tell someone he was there? Huh? Oh, yeah, 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 because they had saw his badge and his head. Obviously, they kind of let, like, once again, I guess they kind of, like, left it there. Like, looking back, they left his hat and his badge and all that stuff there mm -hmm. as, like, a, like a little warning sign. Like, hey, we got to your boy already, so he won't be here. He won't be around to help you no more type of thing. I thought, for some reason, I thought they told someone in this movie that, hey, you might want to check out the bank on blah, blah, blah. But maybe they didn't. I don't know. I, I would have to rewatch it, but I, I don't recall it. Like, they really kind of, like, they kind of implied that basically he, he suffocated to death. Yeah, but that would be like, um, time wise. He would have. I think he still would have been alive around the time Calhoun and them got blown to smithereens. Yo, yeah, probably that time. Yeah, that probably would have been a good four or five hour. Yeah, at that time, probably. Yeah, I, I, I think honestly, they might. I think they might have took more glee in killing him off than fucking uh, fucking um, Calhoun and them because it Jeez. just it just seems like they just you know. Dan, let's just say uh, the cop Dan, hey, he played a very convincing dick in the movie <laughs> yeah he did now let's real quick I want to roll back to the beginning of the show when we were talking about I'm not sure why this movie was a flop you know 30 million dollar budget 95 million dollar make Weebs 
in the chat puts a very good reason why this movie was a flop. Um, number 10 that year. Uh, this is 1989. We're going back to number 10, born on the 4th of July, a hundred and $61 million. I'm rounding off here, by the way. I'm not going to go to the fucking exact penny. Little Mermaid, $184 million. Ghostbusters 2, $215 million. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, $222 million. Lethal Weapon 2, $227 million. Dead Poets Society, 235 Look Who's Talking, 296 Back to the Future Part 2 331,000 Batman series. Yep. Batman 411 and number 1 is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade 474,171,806. This explains a little bit on why that movie might have been a box office flop. I'm just, it's insane. I mean, nowadays movies are doing like billion dollar business, so it's really not. Right. Yeah, I mean, these numbers are kind of like, you know, chump change at this point. Uh, but just, isn't it insane to think that in 1989, even as early as that time, era, that era, you had movies making close to a billion dollars? Yeah, well, yeah, at least a half a billion. I mean, you know, the biggest movie back then was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at 474. But, I mean, that kind of explains a little more. You know, we're like, wow, why would they call this a failure? But... It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, this is how much these movies made that he's putting out. So, Jesus Christ, I honestly didn't know that uh I didn't know Dead Poet Society was a Disney movie but whatever you learn something new every day don't you um getting to a few of the little known things about Harlem Nights what do you think sure in the auto in Richard Pryor's autobiography named Pryor Convictions and Other Life Sentences Good book, by the uh, way. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I need to check that out. Richard Pryor states that he never really connected with Eddie Murphy. People, uh, a, a quote from him is, people talked about how my work had influenced Eddie, and perhaps it did, but I always thought Eddie's comedy was mean. I used to say, Eddie, be a little nice, and that would piss him off. I finished Harlem Nights thinking Eddie didn't like me. Um, I'm not sure if that's true. Eddie Murphy is still complimented Richard Pryor. Uh, I don't know how he took that comment, but I don't think he would have taken it like that. But uh, kind of weird, weird that... because I actually have a quote mm -hmm. that kind of contradicts that whole statement you just made. Really? Please. Yeah. Uh, basically, I'm reading from uh, Wikipedia. Always, always a reliable source. Okay. This is a direct my, quote. My like quote Richard came Pryor from IMDb, him. by the way. Please, he had, go uh, ahead. Richard Pryor had told us to Rolling Stone. It's uh, turning out to be pleasant, more pleasant than I expected. Murphy is wise enough to listen to people. I see, I see him, be, I've seen him be very patient with his actors. 
it's not a lark to him. He's really serious. He's on top of the world and he's doing a hell of a job, agreed Fox. He know he sure knows how to handle people with sensitivity. He'll come over to your side and give private direction. He never embarrasses anyone. You walk around here and look at the people at it prior. Have you ever in your life seen this many black people in a movie set? I haven't. Well, yeah, that that, that sounds like a Richard Pryor quote if I ever read one. It does, but I don't believe that contradicts what he said here. He was talking about his comedy interaction. You think he he was talking about his comedy? Uh, in the, I mean, he even said Eddie's comedy was mean. He's not talking about the movie itself, the the way Eddie handled himself. He's talking about Eddie's comedy. He personally thought some of Eddie's comedy was just mean. So, would you agree? No. No. I personally don't. I don't know. That brings up an interesting point, though. Like, I mean, the I, is there a fine line between funny and being mean spirited? Yeah, like in other words, every, if you have to tear somebody down to be funny, is it really comedy? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, and you know what? That's a very fine line that comics walk all the time. Um, you know, every now and then Andrew Dice Clay, even back in the 80s when I loved him and 90s, used to put out some stuff that I'd be like, eh, that probably didn't need to be there. I was just bullshit being, being a piece of shit. But it never bothered me to where I'm like, ugh, I can't stand this guy because he told that one fucking joke. It never bothered me like that. Never, never. So... No, I didn't find much of Eddie Murphy's comedy to be mean at all. I really just laughed at most of it, which is what you're supposed to do. Richard Pryor, though, was a pioneer in that kind of comedy. So, well, in his mind, with, you know, maybe in, you know, to his, I don't mean, I'm getting way over, his, his sort of, you know, comedic checklist that Eddie Murphy just might not have been his cup of tea no. but no. he didn't I'm, I'm sure he respected the fact that you know he was his biggest influence though well here's how I look at it and, and part of it is I think the you know I might have it my timeline off because I actually did read his autobiography I want to say it came out around 95 96 hmm. this would have been when he like I said he, he was more or less retired from the industry and he was more, I guess he was more introspective at the time. Because right. I remember, like, right around the time when he kind of, like, started to, when he developed the MS, that's when he kind of slowed down on a lot of things. He kind of got his life in order, stopped using drugs. He got clean mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I, I remember um, on one of his last stand-up shows, he basically said he went to Africa and he, he was reformed. He said, I'm not using the N-word no more. That type. <laughs> so that might, excuse me, mm-hmm. my throat is starting to kill me now. But I think that's probably part of where he was coming from when he thought it was kind of like mean spirited. Because I mean, if you if you look at a lot of early prior, a lot of stuff that he may have said and did might have could have been construed the same way. But I think he because he was at a different point in his life, he might have looked mm-hmm. at what prior. You know, he might have looked at what Eddie Murphy was doing like, eh, that was mean. You know, maybe it's because he he was starting to get more in touch with his personal side, his more uh, I guess his sensitive side. 
That's probably yeah. why he came out with that statement because he was at a different point in his life by the time he wrote that autobiography. He was more right. introspective. Right. And, you know, you, you mentioned that Pryor was in a different point of his life at that time. Uh, Eddie Murphy even says at that time, it, it by his own admission, he didn't dedicate enough thought or care to directing the movie in his debut. He was really more concerned of figuring out where the next party was going to be, uh, you know, and all that stuff. He just... Even he says that he could have paid a lot more attention to that that movie. Yeah, I, be, I basically look. I mean, I guess, and like I said, Eddie, this was like um, a vanity project for him. Let's be honest; it was a vanity project. You know, he always mm. wanted to do a period piece. Number one, and number two, you know, what does every kid want? You know, you want you want to work with your heroes one day. So he's working with Pryor. He's working with Red Fox. He's probably thinking to himself, especially at that time, he's on. He's at the top of his game. He's come off hit after hit after hit. He's like, I'm Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I got Richard Pryor. I got Red Fox. This the script could be shit. Yeah. But like, look who I'm with. Look who I'm surrounded by. I don't need. I don't. The script don't have to be nice. Yeah. Exactly. That probably was his thought process. Yeah. Yeah, it probably was, but, you know, and, you know, obviously they did get along off camera because Eddie Murphy said once that the jokes and camaraderie between him, Pryor, uh, Red Fox, and Robin Harris, even Dale Reese behind the scenes was way funnier than anything that was ever put on film. So I'll bet those people together backstage was probably I'll bet people have some amazing stories of that shit right there, man. Yeah, it's it's almost like you wish it was a camera that never stopped rolling. You just wish that yeah. somewhere, some way that there's like some uh, fucking behind the scenes footage that we'll see the light of day one day. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, the story in this movie is, you know, basically... Bugsy Calhoun trying to take over Sugar Ray's nightclub in order to control Harlem. It is loosely inspired by a real feud uh, between white gangster Dutch Schultz and his war with uh, Bumpy Johnson, uh, a black gangster at the time in the 1930s, over control of the Harlem lucrative The Numbers racket. Uh, that was happening at that time. So this was a loosely based true film, which I I didn't know that either. Yeah. So and um, another thing, did you hear about the? Uh, let me see here, the movie theater shooting controversy. I was just about to bring that up on the opening night. That was a, there was a there was a uh, a little shooting on uh, November seventeenth when this movie came out. Yeah, two men. Two men were shot uh, inside an AMC theater in Detroit, which is weird because Eddie Murphy went on to do uh, all those movies with uh, Beverly Hills Cop, and they were all shot in Detroit. <laughs> a lot of them were shot in Detroit. Yeah. But um, you know, some of it, not a lot of it, some of it was shot in Detroit. He was a cop from Detroit. But, um, yeah, yes. shooting happened that night. And uh, it was, sh it said there was like a kind of a shooting spree during the opening of that film. Um, 
and not even the opening, but more after that, there was another uh, another person who panicked and ran into the traffic two days later at the hospital. Um, it was a weird, Tulsa weird situation, but there were fights. This was a weird kind of movie. People were fighting. And... Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm reading some of the quotes here. Let me see here. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Later that night, brawlers were ejected from a Sacramento theater showing Harlem Nights. Their feud continued in a parking lot and ended with gunshots. Two 24-year-old men were seriously injured. An hour later, Marcel Thompson, 17, was fatally shot in a similar fight at a theater in Richmond, California. When police stopped the projection of Harlem Nights to find suspects, an hour-long riot erupted in Boston. Mayor Raymond Flynn saw so many fistfights taking place in a crowd leaving Harlem Nights that he at first threatened to close the theater down but decided to tighten police security at the theater. Flynn blamed the film for the riot, stating that it glorifies violence. Quote, However, Raymond Howard, a lieutenant of the Richmond Police Department, defended the film, saying, There's nothing wrong with the show, but this tells me something about the nature of kids who are going to see these shows. Which is kind of mm. weird, because Harlem, I mean, Harlem Nights, even though it does have those violent moments, it's more like comedic violence for the most part. And I would yeah, expect really. stuff like this to come out of like people that saw New Jack City, Boys mm. Hood, or Menace of Society, that were kind of like very darker in tone. Right. And, and portrayed the violence in a more serious and realistic manner. But I, I just kind of can't believe that people go to Harlem Nights and get like get that gassed up to start this fight and shooting them. Like, really? Harlem Nights? Yeah, man. Amaz- and Jesus, Pryor was married seven times to five women. Holy shit. Yes. Richard Pryor will forever be my hero because he had a young Pam Greer in her prime. Oh. God. <laughs> She's still hot now, but Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right, but but there's something to be said for uh having a woman in her prime years. Mm-hmm. Uh Weeb's also in the chat mentions uh in August two thousand fourteen that uh the biopic for Richard Pryor will have Oprah Winfrey as a producer and will star Mike Epps. As Richard Pryor. Yeah. I've heard more about this, how this movie's even close to coming out, like, soon. Like, it might come out very soon. Uh, Mike Epps as Pryor... It could work. It could work. I mean, I'm going to give it a chance, because I'm always telling people you got to give stuff a chance before you shit on it, but... Yeah, I have it's, doubts, but I'm I'm willing to give it a chance. It's either gonna be really good or completely horrible. What? There's there's gonna be no middle ground, I believe. It's gonna, it's gonna, gonna be come, it's, honestly, you know what it's gonna come down to? For me, in my opinion, it's gonna come down to the acting because mm-hmm. you look at Jamie Foxx's Ray. Now, that obviously, he won an Academy Award for it and then didn't proceeded to do shit else. But, obviously, Jamie Foxx is a funny dude. Mm-hmm. But there's a fine line. Because at first, I think going into it, you probably might have expected like almost like a like a parody of, oh, this is what uh, Ray Charles was. But what made the movie work is he actually became, you felt like he became Ray Charles as the movie progressed. He kind of slept. It, it wasn't just him playing a character. It wasn't just him doing... Uh, Ray Charles impersonation for three hours. 
So that that's the point. That's going to that's going to tell a tale. If yeah, if if uh, Mike Epps did his research and he actually is going into it and trying to become prior and not just doing like an impression for an hour and a half or two hours, that to me is going to that's going to make the difference between whether the movie sucks or whether it's a movie that you remember years down the line as being like epic. Yeah, and I've never seen Ray by the way. I have it. I've never watched it. It's it's a good movie. It's depressing as fuck. And, mm. and honestly, I can't really go back and watch it just because it's like sentimental value for me. Because that's literally the last that's the last thing I did. With my one of the last things I did with my grandfather because he, he literally died like um a couple weeks after we saw that movie together. Oh wow! So literally, I haven't really I haven't sat down and watched that movie beginning to end since. And but even even without that, it's just it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's just depressing as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, obviously. Um, shit. Anything else we missed? From Harlem Nights? This is like the random. I mean, we kind of like got all of the high points of the show. I mean, of the movie. Yeah, I'm looking through here. I don't think there's much more we missed in this movie. Uh, except for Eddie Murphy's character's real name in the movie was Vernest. <laughs> That's it. That's really the only other thing I can think of. And uh, I don't know, man. You want to do any more? You want to go ahead and wrap this motherfucker up? Hey, something. I'm, I'm up. I mean, I'm open. I mean, can you think of any other random topics? Not really. I mean, uh, let's see. We were talking about Robin Harris. We, you know what? We can go ahead and get into a few of Eddie Murphy's movies since we're on the. Harlem Nights was written, directed, produced, blah, 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 Eddie Murphy. We can get into a few of Eddie Murphy's movies. Yeah. Now, let me we don't have to get something. deep. You wouldn't have to get deep. I, you know, we, we talk about how uh, Richard Pryor was an influence to Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, uh, and it was, a, it was a bit part, but do you remember uh, Chris Rock's brief cameo in Beverly Hills Cop 2? Yes, I do. He, yo, 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 I get five for cars. <laughs> yeah, I do. He was the valet. Yeah, now, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, if they've done something together, it's kind of escaping me at the moment. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you think that, like, coming off of that, do you, do you think it's kind of weird that during that time frame, Eddie and uh, Chris Rock didn't collaborate on more things? Because clearly, if he wound up in that movie, Eddie saw something in him. He did, and I believe Chris Rock was on Saturday Night Live at that time. I am a little surprised. I am and I'm not. They kind of went separate ways. Chris Rock was just blowing up a little bit after that. Eddie Murphy was... Eddie Murphy... Eddie Murphy was Eddie Murphy. I'm not going to say he was on a downfall there, but he was sort of wrapping up a little bit. Then that little tranny thing came out. and and uh, He lost a little bit of his street credibility. Yeah, he did. But, you know, let's bring up a, a, a few of my... I'll go ahead and say a few of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies right now. 48 Hours, both of them. Trading Places, all the Beverly Hills Cops, even three. Even three, yes. 
Coming I to like America. Three, I, I do too. I I like three two. Coming to America, Golden Child. Oh my God. Um, don't waste your time with Best Defense. <laughs> I remember that. Like, he was only in it for like two minutes. Yeah, don't waste your time. Boomerang, The Distinguished Gentleman, Vampire in Brooklyn. I liked it. Don't expect much. I liked it too. Metro. I enjoy Metro. I liked Metro, him and Michael Rappaport. I thought it was a good little movie. Life. Wasn't great, but a fun movie. Um, Nutty Professors, obviously. Like I said a few weeks ago, this man basically became the new uh, Jerry Lewis, you know, Nutty Professor and the um, Dr. Doolittle movies. Um, Bowfinger. I I enjoyed that a great deal. Life. Like the oh man. And what I a movie. Th- th- that was like a di- it was a different type of a generational uh mm-hmm. different type of generational comedies coming together. Yep. But just as just, for me personally, especially growing up in the nineties, to see Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, and Bernie Mac share a screen together, that th- that was something special for me personally. I mean I, I mean some people might not put it on the same level. You can't really put it on the same level as Fox. Pryor and Murphy working together, but it's it, it's still like a different kind of like coming together of like different genres and different generations of comedy. Oh, that movie right there had a fucking all star cast. That movie was I, I really liked that movie, and I'd assume most people have seen that fucking movie by now. But yeah, like you said, Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, Anthony Anderson. Who come on, you got to know who he is. He's been in. Barber shop. He was in Me, Myself, and Irene. Law and Order. He did Law and Order for a while. Uh, anyway, Bernie Mac, Guy Tory. Uh, you know that 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 was an amazing cast in that movie. It was great. I really. Anytime that movie's on, I'm gonna stop and watch it. Uh, um, another. Then, go ahead. No, I was trying to think. Another movie you probably—I don't know if you saw it yet—but um, Showtime, a movie he did with Robert De Niro, got shit on uh, at the box office. Got shit on by critics. Got shit on by generally everybody. But fuck mm-hmm. it, I like the. It's a good movie. It really is. If you ever get a chance, it got a uh, Eddie Murphy, Robert De Niro, Renee Russo. I don't know yep. if you're a Renee Russo fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the weapon. <laughs> Two, three, and four, or three and four. Two, three, and four. Three and four. No, 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 no. She was in three and four. Okay, three and four. Okay. Yeah, and that was um. You're talking about Holy Man, aren't you? Holy Man, no, no, Showtime. Oh, that's right. That's right. Why do I remember Holy Man, but can't think of what the fuck it was? I, I I remember it vaguely. That's one of those. That's kind of like around an era time where I kind of started to tune Eddie Murphy out. But if I remember correctly, he was like a guy. He was playing like a Gandhi type character. Yeah, he and like was and like, like these yeah. like these are uh, like yeah. uh, evil executives got their hooks in him, and like he became like a national mm. celebrity, something like that. Yeah. That was like, general plot. It was like very kind of like paper thin plot. Yeah, televangelist. Uh, there it is. Yeah, Showtime. Um, Pluto Nash. Don't bother seeing. I spy with Owen Wilson. 
I like that movie. I was actually pretty. That I think honestly, that movie was probably the. It, it took a while, but mm-hmm. that was kind of like Eddie Murphy. I think trying to get back to his roots. If you kind of like, it was PG thirteen. It didn't have it didn't have many f bombs in it, like you know old school Eddie. But you you kind of saw like a little bit of the swag from the eighties in that movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that was Eddie trying to trying to recapture what he had back in the day. I disagree. I believe this is where Eddie Murphy was already talking to Disney uh, because he then did Daddy Daycare and then we started seeing the Shrek movies. Yeah, well, you can look at it like you can look at it like a, as a swan song, man. Because like I said, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I don't know. Because with, with I Spy, I, I did enjoy I Spy. You, like I said, you just saw, like I said, a little bit of that old school Eddie Swagger before he kind of got into like the that thousand words and uh, the Shrek. And honestly, outside of the Shrek movies, his, his Disney movies like A Haunted House or what, Haunted Mansion, whatever it was, mm-hmm. they generally just sucked. Because I, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, some people just don't flow. I applaud the man. You got to kind of evolve. You got to change with the times. But some people just don't kind of fit certain roles. And Eddie yeah. Murphy is like the family man. And like, mm-hmm. it, it just never, it just never felt right seeing him in like that daddy daycare, Dr. Doodle type of role. That's just my opinion. Yeah. It never yeah, felt you're right. Yep. Yep. Um, but he really did. I mean, look, whether you fault him for the whole Disney Shrek thing or not, the guy made a great living off of all that. Um, he actually has a movie coming out this year, Eddie Murphy, called Mr. Church. I don't know if you've seen any of the trailers for it. He's a cook in this movie. I have okay, not seen it. You haven't. And a Beverly Hills Cop 4 has been announced, and he mm-hmm. will play Axel Foley. Mm-hmm. And he's also thinking of making a return to uh, stand-up. He kind of hinted at it on uh, Fallon. Man, that's going to be interesting because, yeah. you know, we, we've been talking about – I don't know why. we we actually been talking about this the past few weeks about how, like, the – the culture and just the climate has changed. And let's be honest, Eddie Murphy literally has not done a stand-up comedy act since like 1987. Nope. So you got to figure back then, people were pissed off about some of the shit that he was saying, and that was during a time period where things were a little more loose. You could be, you can get away with a hell of a lot more. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, how do you think Eddie Murphy in today's times, if you're if you're going off of what he was doing in the '80s? How do you think he would if he does make that return, that comeback? How do you think he's going to do in 2016 and beyond? Just based off of his two comedy shows from the '80s, I think a lot of people will, a lot of people my age and a little older will give it a chance because oh my god Eddie Murphy's back doing stand up oh I got to hear it I don't know how it's going to go over honestly I'd hate to guess man comedy is in such a different place now yeah everybody's really, apo- everybody's apologizing for shit <laughs> I don't mm, yeah yeah it's tough it's really tough to guess it's either going to go over, you know, it's going to go over good. What, what, I mean, what kind of comedy is he going to, is he going to go back to doing the dirty stuff? 
is he going to try to be clean because he still wants ties with Disney? It's going to be weird. I put it to you, Larry. Put it to you. I, I don't know. I think, honestly, if I had to wager a guess, I think he's going to lean more towards the dirty, and I'll tell you why. Do you remember um, the whole controversy when uh, Saturday Night Live did their little 40th anniversary? Uh-huh. And, like, everybody... Eddie Murphy was easily the most anticipated person everybody was looking forward to seeing the most because he was he was one of those people that once he left Saturday Night Live, he was yeah. gone. Oh, yeah. He never came back. He never did no kind of guest appearance, no guest host, no, hey, I'm just stopping by to say hi, nothing. Right. And then it's like when he showed up, it was almost like he was unengaged. He wasn't funny. He was he was only on it for like a minute. They wanted him, I think the I think the deal was they wanted him to do like a Bill Cosby joke and he said, no, I'm right. not going to kick the man while he's down. And then fast forward a few months later, He's cracking jokes and all that. And it's like, it's like old school Eddie. It's almost like, it's almost like Eddie picked that time to say, you know what? Fuck it. I owe that motherfucker a couple of receipts. <laughs> mm, yeah. Cause he did take a couple of cheap, but it's, that was kind of like, makes me think that he's going to lean towards old school Eddie a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to go over well with a new generation, but we'll see. I don't know, man. I hope it does. I'd like to see that kind of, you know, Eddie's kind of stand-up come back. Man, I'll tell you what, man. It'd be great to see Delirious and Raw come back to a movie theater. You know, kind of make a resurgence right now. Well, you never know, because funny enough, because people that weren't even born, weren't even mm-hmm. a, uh, a, a a tickle in their father's penises, actually enjoy those movies now. So, they, I mean, they, that, they definitely lived on. Like, people that weren't even born when those were originally released know what they're about. So... I'm pretty sure that there's going to be like an anticipation to see like, hmm, are we going to? Get, I mean, hopefully he's not wearing the fucking red leather or the fucking purple patent leather. Ho- hopefully Eddie kind of let that shit go. He realized he's not in his thirties or his twenties no more. <laughs> Should realize he's gonna fucking have a heart attack on stage with that shit nowadays. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I look, I wasn't look. I was a baby in the eighties, but even by those standards, that was like Eddie. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. was looking at that. Even every time I look at that, I swear I laugh more. As funny as those shows are, I laugh more at the fucking outfit, <laughs> just as much as I do at the jokes. Shit, Eddie's outfit, Chris Rock in uh, what was it bigger and blacker with the the, the black leather outfit on? He even uh, said he even said I'll never wear that shit again. I was sweating my ass off in that fucking outfit. Especially if you're a guy that's like 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 the kind of like command the stage and you walking back and forth and oh and Chris I mean both of them are you know very animated with their actions with their hands so yeah I could see both of them sweating the fuck now, out of those suits. Now let me ask you in terms of like Eddie Murphy obviously he did that I guess he took the philosophy of stand up comedy of like going you know going out on top which I can respect. He 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 didn't run that well dry. So obviously, if he comes back, there's going to be at least initially, mm-hmm. he's going to make a boatload of money because oh yeah, the last time he did them, last his last two comedy specials way back when were legitimate hits. Their culture, they they they're like I they're at iconic status at this point. I I would put him there. Yes. So do you think that had he can let's just say let's just like I guess like uh, rebook Eddie in the eighties. 
let's just say his career had to continue. He had to did like sporadic stand up comedy mm-hmm. things like every now and then. Do you think his career would have took a, a different uh, path? Like if he kind of kind of like kept his name out there on the stage? Because you figure like prior in his prime did like he was doing like specials left and right. Yeah, but maybe not. And I'll tell you why. Let me see something here. Let me go back to. Let me go back to Eddie Murphy's IMDb just for one second. I want to check something before I make this comment. Let's see. No, I don't. And I'll tell you why. Um, Times were changing. And I think he may have seen the comedy he's doing, who was doing back in the 1980s, very early 90s, was not clicking with the new times. Uh. You know, we we talked about the Janet Jackson boot. What, what, what year was that? 2001? 2004. 2004. He had already done a few little... I mean, he had already done the Nutty Professors all by then, the Dr. Doolittles, which everyone really enjoyed. Those movies did not do horrible, and he didn't get much flack for those. Um, And he did go back and try to do, you know, 2002. He tried to do Showtime, like you said. I Spy 2003. Daddy Daycare, which... I honestly thought it was a funny movie. Then he sunk a little bit, and in 2004, he started doing Shrek. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. From 2004, once he might have known his comedy wasn't really going to work out, he started doing Disney shows, you know, Disney movies. Shrek Branding the Halls. Himself. Yeah, Shrek the Halls. Shrek Forever After. He did Tower Heist. Um, I actually enjoyed that movie. I haven't seen the whole movie, to be honest with you. But I really think Eddie Murphy's career might have played out the best way it could have. You can't tell me he regrets one second being the voice of that donkey. Oh, no, 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 fuck that. No, fuck no, that. No, no, that donkey no, no, no. resurrected his career. Mm-mm-mm. He is probably making millions in residuals off that fucking Shrek movies. He can't regret anything he's done. The only thing he might regret is the tranny driving yeah. thing. Yeah, and it's like, I, I don't even no. want to bring that up because really it, he, he's got one story, the cops have another, and whatever. But we don't need what it is. I mean, I mean, and honestly, outside of that, he he never really got it. He never his name was never really kind of brought up any type of kind of controversy. Like he was, you know, seen you know cheating on his wife. That he mm-hmm. never had those type of incidences. So it's like I, I tend to like I say fuck it, even though it was kind of a fucked up story, regardless of who you believe. It, yes. it, it's like, get a guy the benefit of the doubt. He had the one incident, and after that, it was kind of like, yeah, nothing else ever happened. So get a guy the benefit of the doubt on that one. I, I always figured maybe maybe he was about to cheat, didn't know there was a fucking yeah. tree trunk 
involved yeah. in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe he had been under the influence a little bit. Who knows? You know, um, one of those situations. You know, but who knows? You know, we're we're completely speculating here, obviously. he He's really the only one who knows what happened there. So, um, I don't know. On that note, I don't think we can uh, say too much without um, rambling on about complete bullshit. You're right. So, without doing that, I say we get the fuck out of here. Definitely. <laughs> and, of course, Mish comes in at the end. Uh. <laughs> That's all right, Mish. You can listen to it whenever the fuck I put it up. Uh, all right. So, you can check us out, of course. THD Movie Review. Uh, you can check us out iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, search THD Movie Review. That's the way to get to us all right there. Um, and, of course, you can always check out me and Shaheen Wednesday nights, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, uh, right here on Mixer.com slash THT Podcast. Uh, anyway, and... What else you got to say to end this motherfucking show, bro? Suck my left dick. And on that note... Wow. No, 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 no. Fuck. <laughs> it's my catchphrase. I'm trying to keep the gimmick alive. No, seriously, though. Appreciate Whoa. the listeners. Uh, love you guys. Um, Any idea of a movie for next week, Box? I haven't even thought about it. You know, I got a few ideas, but maybe we should... We'll figure it out. We'll get it worked out in the next day or two, and uh, we'll go from there. Cool. Cool. Uh, And don't forget to check out me and Shaheen this Sunday. We'll be on sometime talking some wrestling. There's a lot of shit to go over. Yeah. TNA. I'm actually hoping more comes out on that so we can uh, give you guys a few, uh, some real details coming up Sunday. And we'll see what happens on that note. We're out of here. Thank you, everybody. And we will see you next Friday, 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Peace. For another movie. See ya. Is there some comic she love thing happening here, baby, or what? By that time, fast happened with the night. I said it's time to blow, you know. So out the door we go back to the ride. Steven.